listening to Abiding Hope Church's podcast of our weekly sermons. For more information about our church, please visit abidinghope.org. Today's reading is from the Gospel of Matthew, the 21st chapter. Jesus said, listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard, put a fence around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. Then he leased it to tenants and went to another country. When the harvest time had come, he sent his slaves to the tenants to collect his produce. But the tenants seized his slaves and beat one, killed another, and stoned another. Again, he sent other slaves, more than the first, and they treated them in the same way. Finally, he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and get his inheritance. So they seized him, threw him out in the vineyard, and killed him. Now when the owner of the vineyard comes, What will he do with those tenants? They said to him, He will put those wretches to a miserable death and lease the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the produce at the harvest time. Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing, and it is amazing in our eyes. Therefore I tell you, The kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people that produces the fruits of the kingdom. The one who falls on the stone will be broken to pieces, and it will crush anyone on whom it falls. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they realized that he was speaking about them. They wanted to arrest him, but they feared the crowds because they regarded him as a prophet. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace, mercy, and peace be with you. In the name of our risen Savior, Jesus the Christ. It's homecoming season in Colorado, which means that for the past several weeks, high schools in our area have been hosting spirit days and sporting events and dances. Chatfield, one of our local high schools, has kicked off their homecoming week this week on Monday with a fall festival and a bonfire. Our family went to the bonfire for the first time this year, and it was interesting to see so many different types of students together in one place. Every club or sport had a little part of the parking lot where they had their activity on display. The robotics club, the football team, the theater kids, the mountain bikers, the cheerleaders, the choir, the student government, the hockey team, the art club, the band, they were all there highlighting their unique interests and abilities. It was great. I loved seeing the diversity of the student body. I also loved seeing how they came together at the end of the night around the bonfire. For a few minutes, these very different kids with very different uh, interests on very different paths, they were one student body, united in the warmth and the light of that flame. It only lasted about 15 or 20 minutes, but it was nice. 
firelight has a way of doing that. Whether it's a bonfire or a campfire or a backyard fire pit, or even the single light of a candle in a dark room, the light and warmth of a flame draw us together. And suddenly our differences matter a lot less than our shared humanity. For the past several weeks in worship, we have been discussing the theme of thresholds. As we began the fall season, we wondered together what we were being called to leave behind and what we were being called towards. Well, today we're stepping into a new season, a season of generosity that we are calling Ignite. Honestly, the lectionary could not have given us a better text for today to begin a conversation about the gifts of God. Our text today is a continuation of the story that we started last week. If you remember, Jesus is in Jerusalem in the last week of his life. He's already thrown the money changers out of the temple because they were cheating the people. And religious leaders have confronted Jesus and asked him, by what authority are you doing these things? In our text today, Jesus is still talking to those same religious leaders. And he tells them a parable about a landowner who plants a vineyard and then entrusts that vineyard to the care of tenants. As the vines begin to bear fruit, the tenants become arrogant and greedy. They forget that they don't own the vines or the fruit. I don't know if they forget or if they're just ignoring that fact. But when the landowner sends servants to collect the harvest, the tenants attack those servants, even killing one of them. But the landowner is gracious and merciful slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. So he gives the tenants a second chance. He sends more servants to collect the harvest that belongs to him, but those servants are attacked and some of them are killed. So finally, the landowner, who now seems almost foolish, decides to send his son. He sends his son to the vineyard thinking that at least they will respect my child, but he's wrong. The tenants, the stewards, the ones who are entrusted with the care and cultivation of the vines and the fruit, they repay the landowner's goodness and generosity by killing the son. After telling this story, Jesus asks the religious leaders, what, what do they think? What should the landowner do next? Not realizing that this parable is actually aimed at them, the the, uh, the religious leaders say that the landowner should put those wretches to a miserable death. Notice here, though, that it's only the listeners in this story, the religious leaders themselves, who want to repay violence with violence, who want retribution and revenge. That's a worldly story, a human story. That is not God's story at all. Remember, God is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. God is not smiting people who miss the mark. God is loving them and wanting so much more for their lives than anger and violence and fear. Jesus does make it clear, though, that the reign of God will not be thwarted by something as petty as arrogance and greed. If the tenants refuse to share the harvest, the landowner will simply trust the work of the kingdom to more faithful stewards, 
to stewards who will use God's good gifts to produce fruit and then share that fruit generously with God and God's people. This weekend, during the Abiding Hope Serves weekend, we got to see here exactly what happens when we choose to live graciously and generously. We saw what happens when we give back some of what God has given to us. We were able to give a little bit of our time, a little bit of our talent, a little bit of our treasure. And together we used those gifts to help build up the kingdom of God, and that made a difference. More than 140 people from the Abiding Hope community, from the ages of one to about 81, used their time and labor and skill to help bring hope to others. Together we stocked shelves and packed boxes and handed out food. We cleaned up trails and organized shoes and demolished and painted ramps and planted and pruned and so much more. This is what it looks like to live as faithful tenants and good stewards of God's gifts. This is what it looks like to return the things that God has given to us, not for selfish gain, but to do our part in building up the kingdom and caring for our neighbors in need. Over the next weeks, we will all be asked to consider what gifts we are stewarding. What has God entrusted to us? What's in our care and how can we return the fruits of those gifts back to God faithfully and generously so that God's liberating and life-giving work can continue through the ministry of Abiding Hope and our partner organizations? We have the capacity to do amazing things here. This is the kind of place where a diverse group of people, people with different interests and abilities and experiences and opinions, even people in different locations, can all come together as one in the warmth and the light of Christ. And that's better than any bonfire or campfire that you can imagine because it doesn't burn out in 15 or 20 minutes. It persists from generation to generation, warming our hearts lighting our way, shining through the darkness. I don't know who got to light that bonfire on Monday night, but what a privilege that would have been to, to be the one to ignite the whole thing, to know that you played a small but important part in lighting up the night and bringing all those people together. A seminary professor of mine named Jane Stroll would often pray, Lord, I know that your kingdom will come whether I help it or not, but please let it come through me. I always appreciated that prayer. It reminds me that God's mission does not depend on me, but if I'm lucky and if I say yes, I get to do a small part in ushering in God's kingdom into the world, and that's enough. So what do you say? Let's use the gifts that we have been given to transform our vineyards into more just, loving, and grace-filled places. Let's produce fruit for the kingdom and share it far and wide. Let's ignite within and around us a love and a light that warms and welcomes and guides us all. So who's got a match? Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen.